Turn your copies of God's Word to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And I'm going to, again, as I said earlier, preach to you on Christ-centered expository preaching. Christ-centered expository preaching. And this is Paul's final testimony. Of course, in 2 Timothy 4, Paul's about to die. And, of course, he gives a charge to Timothy. And the charge to Timothy is this, to preach the Word. To preach the Word. And I want to give you some thoughts about that this morning on preaching the Word. What is Christ-centered expository preaching? Uh, years ago, when I actually when I first took this church... Uh, I was brand new. I didn't really know what I was doing. And a, a, a man by the name of Marshall. Marshall was a dear friend of mine. He was not a member of this church. He had pastored in Greenville a, a lot of his life. And, and Marshall reached out to me. And we met. We had uh, breakfast sometimes, had coffee. He was trying to pour into me a little bit. And he, he had asked me to attend a church revitalization uh, conference so I did, and this man that was preaching was, or speaking rather, was uh, telling us how we could grow our church. He was telling us how we could uh, see some awesome numbers in the very beginning and, and uh, try to revitalize. And man, he was giving us some wonderful stuff. He, he was giving us things that we could do when we go into the community. We could set up a, a, a kind of like a block party, pass out gospel literature. Uh, you could pass out literature about your church. You could have food, games. You could have... Uh, all kinds of uh, uh, like, you know, skits. I mean, you could do it all, and people would be drawn to that. That's what he did back in the day, and and of course, people came, and and the church was a large church, and so he mentioned a lot of these things and told us, and then I'm hanging on to every word and writing some of it down, and and uh, trying to implement some of it here, and so uh, as he began to speak, he obviously co- closed the session, and I kind of had a a check in my spirit. I never heard him mention the word preaching. So I, I'd mentioned it to him. And I said, hey, you know, I, I heard a lot of good things, but I did not hear biblical preaching. And he said, oh, we don't do that anymore. He said, we don't really preach. That's kind of old school. He said, what we do now is we kind of pull up a stool and we have talks and we discuss the text. Now, that's okay in a small setting, and that's okay in we, we have groups and, and, and Sunday school time and, and small groups and all that. That's great, but, but there is a time when we gather together for the preaching of God's Word. I called a mentor, and I, I asked him, and he said, oh, no, that's not. Listen, it may sound okay, it may sound trendy, but that is not Bible. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4 to preach the Word. I want to look at it. John Wesley said this, Give me a hundred preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Such alone will shake the gates of hell. I want to look at verse number 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. The Bible says this, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove and rebuke. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Look at verse 5. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. 
Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach. I pray for the next few minutes that you will use this message to speak into our hearts and explain exactly what preaching is and what preaching is not. And Lord, we thank you for it and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse 1. Paul tells Timothy, I charge thee, I charge thee, therefore before God the Lord, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. That word charge, it's a, it's a strong word, but it translates into, in the biblical Greek, into a testimony, or He testifies. And basically what Paul is saying here is he's giving a solemn testimony to Timothy and to testimony that Timothy must heed if he is to be a godly pastor. He says, Timothy, I'm charging you, similar to what Joshua did. He, Joshua charged the nation of Israel. Moses actually charged Joshua. Jacob, or Esau rather, charged Jacob. God charged Abraham. And Jesus charged the apostles. It is a challenge. It is a testimony. And he's saying, I'm charging you, Timothy, to do something that is the most important thing a preacher can do. I'm charging you this. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at it there in verse number 1. Who's the audience in this charge? It is God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is actually describing the members of this courtroom, this testimony. And the the people in attendance is not Timothy's friends. It's not other preachers. It's not other apostles. It's not anybody else. It's God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul sat in this cold dungeon. He understood there was a spiritual reality present that went beyond the walls of this cell. As he wrote these words, he's charging Timothy to preach the word before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ. He says this in verse 1. He says, before the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. You know what, 30 years later, after Paul had written First and Second Thessalonians, 30 years later, Paul is still looking for the appearance of Christ. Paul never, listen, right before he dies, he never gave up hope that Jesus Christ would come in his lifetime. And by the way, that is our blessed hope. We should still look for Christ to come. Paul is charging Timothy, hey, hey, listen, do this before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the emphasis because one day he will judge the both quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Look at verse 2. First thing we ought to do is the testimony. We ought to preach the word. We had a solemn charge. Now we are to preach the word. Look at it. Verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Paul's emphasis here on this particular verse on the word of God has, to, has been constant. There are some 36 references to the true gospel in this one letter and 17 references to the false gospel. Matter of fact, Paul puts the emphasis on the first three words of chapter uh, 4 in verse number 2. He says in these three words, preach the word. 
He did not say preach a book. He did not say preach an agenda. He did not say preach a camp or a conference. He says preach the Word. Let me just say this. That the Word of God is our power source. And if the Word of God is our power source, then every text that we come to is an outlet in which we can plug into that power. He says preach the Word. If I were to get up this morning and continue an expository as we do through the journey of John, I've been preaching through the book of John, if I just got to one verse and the next verse, and I just said, hey, we're going to park right here, and we're going to uh, exegete this, and we're going to dissect this, and we're going to expound the truth. Hey, if we just got to one verse, we could probably stay there for ten weeks. Because he said, preach the word. Preach the word. Timothy was not told to preach agendas. He was not told to preach good books. He was told to preach the word. And the the word is the power. I don't know if you understand this, but what you have in your lap or in your hands or on the seat beside you this morning is not just a book. It is the power. It is the holy word of God. It is what you have to live. It's the only book that God ever wrote. Matter of fact, in that, the power of Scripture, we find it reveals God's will to us. Through the Scripture. It penetrates the heart. It reproves the sinner. It divides truth from error. It makes the world foolish. It equips us for every good work. And it proclaims salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is all here. Let me ask you this. If we had 66 books to, 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 to preach that are all infallible and all God-breathed, then why would we want to preach anything else? 66 books. I don't want to hear your stories. I don't want to hear your jokes. I don't want to hear all this funny stuff. I don't want to hear all this fluffy stuff. Hey, when I come to have and hear you or bring you here to preach, I want you to preach the Word. Preach the word, not 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 just feel good stuff. I don't want you feeling good about yourself when you leave. I don't want you to sit there and say, "Man, I tell you what, I'm a pretty good old boy. I'm I'm a pretty old girl. I mean, I'm the preacher. He just always giving us sugar sticks, always making us feel good, always wanting to pat us on the back." Listen, the word of God every now and then ought to hit you right between the eyes, and you shouldn't feel good about it. Some of you, the way you look this morning, you don't feel good already. It ain't the preaching. I hadn't got there yet. This is a constant emphasis of the Apostle Paul. Constant emphasis. He's telling Paul, uh, Timothy rather, through this second Timothy, he's telling him the whole time. He's saying, son, stay focused on the Word of God. Matter of fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, he says, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13, hold fast to these sound words. He said in 2 Timothy 2 2, the things that thou have heard from me and many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. He continues this in 2 Timothy 2 15, rightly dividing the word of truth. He says in 2 Timothy 2 24, as a servant of the Lord must be apt to teach. He says in 2 Timothy 3 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Listen. All of that is given to a young pastor. You know what he's doing? He's equipping this young pastor to preach 
the Word. How important is preaching the Word? Well, we see it preaching the Word as a pastor, Timothy. Notice the word there in in verse 2, the first three words. Listen, we could be here for ten weeks, I'm telling you this. He says, preach the Word. He doesn't tell Timothy to know the Word, though we ought to know the Word. But he didn't say, know the Word. He didn't say like the word or even approve of the word. He, he was required to preach the word. Preach it. The word of God must be preached by Timothy. It was to be a content of the message. The message was not supposed to be uh, surrounded by a story or surrounded by a thing. It was to be surrounded and centered by the word of God. Not everyone who opens a Bible and starts talking is preaching the word. Many well-intentioned preachers are actually preaching themselves. If you leave here today and you're like, uh, man, I tell you what, that was a funny story. Or one, I can't remember what he actually was preaching on. But I remember that story. Listen, I've done failed. My mom, I picked them up at the airport Friday night. They come in from Oregon. And uh, I was uh, driving through Charlotte. My dad had been preaching a meeting out there in Washington and Oregon. And Montana, I believe it was. He'd been out there just all over the last week or so, week and a half, something. And I, uh, I picked him up at the airport. It was midnight. It was like 11.30 and waited there. Charlotte's buzzing at midnight, by the way. And uh, so I got him and I seen my mom just struggling with this big suitcase and, and awkwardly pushing it. You're not supposed to push your suitcase, just in case you didn't know. She's kind of pushing it. She's a little lady, just a little lady. And, and this suitcase is about as big as she is. And she's kind of pushing it down the terminal. And, and I see her and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, it's got handles on it. It's supposed to be, you know, this and that. And so when I get to her, she's, she's kind of exhausted. And she's like, I, I just bought that suitcase last Saturday for this trip. And the handle don't work. And it wouldn't. It wouldn't, uh, you know how they'll come out kind of uh, like a wand. It'll come out and you can kind of pull it behind you. It makes it much easier. And it wouldn't come out. And she said, I'm taking it back when I get home. And I said, well, you ought to. And I started thinking as I was reading this, my job as a pastor is to put handles on the Word of God so that you can carry it out of here. Because if you can't carry the Word of God with you out of here, I have failed to deliver the Word. If it goes over your head and you're fumbling around, hey, what good is a suitcase? You say, preacher, I can put a bunch of clothes in that and and it looks good, it's pretty, it's nice. Boy, a nice Italian leather. Oh, it's nice. But what good is a suitcase without handles? And what good is a message without the Word? Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Here's what he says. And by the way, let me just reiterate this. Good preaching is not how much Bible the preacher knows. Good preaching is how much Bible the church knows after listening to the preacher. He says this in verse 2, be instant in season and out of season. There's only two seasons. He should preach it when it's easy and he should preach it when it's hard. He should preach it when the fruit is evident And he should preach it when the fruit seems invisible. He should just preach the word. 
there's going to be seasons where things are good and there's going to be seasons. Hey, I love the season that Bible Baptist Church is in right now. Listen, I've watched this church grow from just a handful of people to hundreds of people. Last week we had nearly 600 in church between both services. The week before had way over 600. I'm very thankful for what God's doing. We've watched this thing grow and grow and grow and people say, Preacher, what are you doing down there? Is it your buildings? Is it your personality? Is it your music? Is it this? Is it that? No, 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 no. It's not any of that. It's preaching the Word. Instant in season. There's times where you feel like it. There's times when the church is growing. And there's also times when the church may not be growing. Maybe going through a pruning season. It may be a time when people are, are, are discontented and there may be division and, and there may be tough messages and there may be time. And guess what? Listen, preach the word. I'll never forget the message when our church caught on fire down here and burned. Y'all remember that? We had church in the parking lot before it was ever popular. Someone broke into our church and set it on fire years ago. We had just remodeled it. Spent all that money and someone defaced it. Let me tell you something, Brother Joseph. I had never had to reach way down inside and preach like I did that day. And I'll be honest with you, those of you that remember us having church in the fellowship hall, when it was just a red tile floor and them old, whatever, I called them Pepto-Bismol chairs. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They were like a mauve. A mauve everywhere. And I remember preaching and, and, and just struggling to get the message out. But I remember it was out of season. But guess what, Brother Will? We never stopped preaching the Word. There'll be seasons when you're victorious and seasons when it's good and seasons when it's full and seasons when it's vibrant and seasons when you got plenty of help. And there'll be seasons, Brother Bobby, when you have no help. It's like that guy got saved out of the Church of England about 150 years ago and he got saved and out of Catholicism and, and kind of Anglican uh, theology. And he got saved out of that and, and uh, he started preaching the gospel to his village and the whole village got saved. That church in that village got saved. He goes to the next church in that village and starts preaching over there. And a lot of them started getting saved until them preachers over there got jealous and mad. And they started telling them, man, what are you doing over here? Keep it to yourself. We don't want that over here. And so they told the bishop and the bishop was over all them churches. And the bishop met with them and he said, son, it sounds like to me you're just causing trouble and all you're doing is preaching. It's so all you're doing is preaching. And he said, you're, you're causing, you're stirring up stuff. And, 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 the, and the young preacher said, well, I only preach in two seasons. And he said, well, I'm glad to hear that. What seasons are that? Are those seasons? And he said, in season and out of season. You know what he's saying? You ain't stopping me. I'm preaching the word. In season. Out of season. Hey, when it's hot, when it's cold, when things are growing, when things are going back. Hey, and guess what else he says in verse number uh, in verse number uh, 2. He says this, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove and rebuke and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. In his preaching, Timothy was to bring the word of God to bear on the lives of the people. He was not to treat the Word as if it was filled with interesting ideas and fascinating theories. He was to uphold the Word of God against the lives of His people to preach the Word. I cannot read your mail when you come in here every week. 
I do not know the load that you're carrying. Some of you in here today are under a very huge load. You've got a burden on you. And, 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 and sometimes when, when you come in here, there's no way that I can tell. Sometimes the countenance can reveal some things, but other times some of you are just good at holding it in and carrying it with you and not showing it. But guess what? Isn't it wonderful that when the preacher gets up to open up the Word of God, it's just what you needed. How many times have we been in a service where you came in, you didn't feel like it. It was like an out of season and you're not there and you just feel like, oh man, I'm just hurt and I'm broken and I'm messed up and I'm disappointed. And the preacher get up and preach and then you leave here clicking your heels and, and you're high-stepping. Oh, your, your problem's not solved. You still got the burden. But guess what? The Spirit of God came in and encouraged your heart. Hey, listen, that's what we ought to do. We ought to reprove. We ought to rebuke. We ought to exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And let me just say this. Doctrine matters. Don't get your doctrine on YouTube. Some of you like them YouTube preachers and you're fascinated by their style and you're fascinated by their witty statements and you're fascinated by all these things and you'll get sucked in and before you know it, you believe a lie. Be careful. Doctrine matters. There's a huge thing going around today, even in our Baptist churches, where some of the false doctrine is creeping into our churches, and we have to stand against that. Here's the last thing. is Look, look with me in verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fable. Paul kind of takes off of verse 2 and he starts expounding in verses 3 and 4. And I want to give you this, the need. Here's the need for true preaching of the Word. Number 3, the need for true preaching of the Word. Paul says there's a time that's coming when they will not endure sound doctrine. Timothy needed to focus on the Word of God because man and his natural instinct does not want God's revelation. Your natural... You know what your natural man... It, it almost wants to resist what you're hearing this morning. And I'm sure there's people sitting out here this morning that's listening to this or maybe listening live stream or whatever and they're thinking, man, I'll tell you what, what's he so, what's he so passionate about? Well, I am preaching on what I do and what I love and what I've been called to do. And I cannot help myself but to get stirred up about what God has called me to do. Now listen, you may not always like it. You may not always agree with it. You may not always say, oh preacher, we love you. Oh, we love you. But let me tell you something. I'm commanded to preach the word because there is a time coming when they will not endure sound doctrine. He would rather have his ears scratched and itched than to hear true sound preaching. Adam Clark said this, about itching ears. He said, endless curiosity and insatiable desire of variety. And they get their ears tickled with the language and the accent of the person abandoning, abandoning the good and faithful preacher for the fine speaker. Their ears tickled, actually they enjoy 
the temperament and the accent and the way the eloquent just, oh, he just waxes eloquent. Oh, he's such a lovely, oh, he kissed our baby today. Oh, isn't he the sweetest little thing? And what they'll do is they'll sub him in for a fireball preacher. Ah, he's too, he's too brash. Ah, he's too rough around the edges. Ah, he's, no, no, listen. We get too hung up on style. I don't care if a guy gets in here and reads his message, reads it, monotone. It may be boring. You may have fall asleep. I don't like monotone. I'm not a big fan of reading my message monotone and all that stuff. But you understand that Jonathan Edwards read his message in monotone, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And the mass crowd was hanging on to the ends of the seats in fear that they would drop off into hell. Monotone. He could barely see, so he held his, he held his message this close to his face. Now, if we would have been there in our entertainment world today, we would have thought, oh, he's not funny enough, or oh, he's not, he's not passionate enough, or he doesn't fluctuate his voice enough. But that's not what God has commanded us to do. He's commanded us to preach the word. A man may get up here and clear a patch out and scream and holler and spit and snort, but that does not mean he's preaching. It does not mean he's preaching. They will heap themselves teachers, and this reminds us that the most popular teachers are not, not always necessarily the most faithful teachers. We shouldn't assume a teacher is scratching, itching ears just because he's popular, but neither should we assume that, a faithful, uh, that he's faithful to God's Word just because he is popular. The Bible says they'll turn aside to fables. They're embracing fantasies. I believe preaching will correct a lot of what's going on in our nation. I know it'll correct a lot of what's going on in the church. If you would just listen, hey, listen, I'm trying to be as as transparent with you as possible. Many of your issues that you might have to talk to me about through the week could be resolved if you just paid attention and listened. People just don't listen. Many of the issues that's happening in your home or happening in your life, if you would just listen and take heed and say, you know what, maybe he's right. The Word of God is, I mean, that's Bible. If you just listen to it, it might solve that issue. You having marriage problems? The preacher can preach the Word. If you'll listen, you'll be a better husband. You'll be a better wife. Oh, having problems with kids. Get your kids under the preaching. Get them under the preaching. I'm talking about teenagers. They need preaching. I'm talking about these kids need preaching. Get them under the preaching. And by the way, I, I, I know this sounds terrible, but I thank God that we did not grow up in an age, I did not grow up in an age where there were cell phones. Because the last thing my mama would have done was hand me a tablet or a cell phone while the preacher was preaching. I'm not picking on anybody, but let me tell you something. Your little kids can retain more than you think they can. Preach the word. What fables was Timothy dealing with here that maybe Paul... How about this, the fable that you earn your way to heaven? 
How about the the fable that you must earn your way before God? How about the fable that God only loves you when you're good? How about the fable that you should walk around thinking of yourselves better than others because you're a Christian? Listen, them are all fables. He says, this testimony, he says in the latter part, look at verse 5 and I'm done. He says, but watch thou in these things. That, that, that but there in verse 5 is a transition. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. What's he saying? Fulfill your ministry, Paul, or Timothy. You, Timothy... Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. Be faithful. Don't let fear. Don't let COVID. Don't let politics. Don't let the fear of man. Don't let Phariseeism. Don't let the economy shake you. Fulfill your ministry. Five verses. Preach. The word. Here's the pastoral exhortation. How do I apply this preaching? Pastor, that's what you do. Well, I got to have somebody to preach to every week. You're, you're the one here that I'm commanded to preach to. You're the flock. If you're visiting with us today, I'm glad that you're here. And this is, by the way, I had a lady visiting this morning in the 830 service. And she said, preacher, I came here for the first time. And now I know exactly where you stand. All my questions have been answered in one service. Isn't that good? So maybe you're here and you're like, well, you answer my question. See you later, all right? Well, that's good. That's fine. All right, preach the word. Here it is, pastoral exhortation. Number one, beware of pastors that self-promote. Now, here's the reason I'm giving you these exhortations is this. Some of you will move away from Simpsonville and Greenville, and some of you are visiting around. You're looking for a church. Beware. Of pastors that self-promote. They're on the cover of everything. Their their quotes and their faces has always got to be first and foremost. And listen, when you come here, it should not be the pastor is being exalted on Sunday. It's Christ is being exalted on Sunday. Listen, that is shallow for a man to promote himself or for a church. Listen, this church is good to me. This church loves me and I love you and y'all have been extra good to me and I thank God for that. But listen, for me to promote myself, to elevate myself in the eyes of man is only diminishing your view of God. It's shallow. Here's the second thing. Beware of pastors that preach a jaded view of Scriptures. A cynical view of scriptures. Here's what I mean by that. It's legalism. A pastor takes a passage. And many of you know what I'm talking about. And he'll read that verse. And he'll rail on you. Holler and scream and spit and hurt. And if you've said under that. First of all let me say I'm sorry. But secondly. Let me say you're not in a place like that today. That right here, this kind of preaching, where men get on a hobby horse and they and they they just they just hurt people. That's legalism. You're never going to be good enough. 
You're never going to earn your way. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be accepted by God. You're never going to be loved by God unless you do this, do this, do this. And bless God, if you don't do this, you don't belong here. Get out of here. I've heard it. I've heard preachers make the statement, there's the back door and it swings both ways. Get out of here. Get out. Get out of here. I don't want to ever see you again. What in the world have we become? I have a friend. We were, I was at an exposition conference Thursday and Friday morning. I had a friend who said, uh, you're not going to believe this story that I tell you. And, and, and I'm only telling you, hand on the Bible, this truly happened. The church in Kentucky, just a few years ago, one of my dear friends was preaching there. They're in a fellowship hall. They're eating after the morning service. All of a sudden, the pastor comes in. He has a woman with him. She's been crying. And he says, hey, everybody, can I have your attention? Linda just got saved out here after the service. And he said this before God. Nobody said a word. They just kept eating. Walking to the line. Nothing happened. He said it wasn't ten minutes later, another preacher ran in with a power cord that had been cut. He said, hey, everybody, can I have your attention? He said, somebody's done cut the cord to their television. And the place went wild. And let me ask you, has Bible preaching been going on at that place where you cheer more about what somebody got rid of instead of somebody coming from death unto life? What have we done to people? What have we become when a preacher has 66 books to preach from and we jeer and we cheer and we do all these things when somebody gets a little bit more holy instead of when someone gets saved? Here's the third and final thing. I would not take my family to a church that did not preach the word. You may be visiting here and you may be saying, oh yeah, we're looking for this, 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 and this, and this, and that's good, and we probably don't have any of those things. But well, I can guarantee you we have this. You have a Bible preacher that loves you and that will preach the Word. All those other things, I'll be honest with you, all them other things are embellished and sometimes even over, they're overkill. I love good music. I love it. I think we have wonderful music. It's come such a long way. And we got a music uh, weekend coming up in January where we're going to really emphasize our music that weekend and recruit. And I, I think it's going to be great. I love music and I love it's worshipful. It's wonderful. It's biblical. It gets our hearts ready and warm and tender. And I'm thankful for it. I love our kids' ministries. I thank God we have. We have a kids campus down below you. And right now there's lots of workers and there's lots of kids and there's even Spanish departments down there. And they are, they are, uh, they're doing a great job down there. I don't even know what goes on down there. I'm, they're, they're doing a wonderful job. Kids getting saved. You'll see some of them get baptized here in just a minute. That's all fine and dandy. We got property running out our ears. We've got this nice fine building that we've been in for eight, nine months now. I'm thankful for it. We've got all these things and I'm so thankful for But guess what? We must not trade any of it for the preaching of God's Word. And we better not compromise. Because let me tell you, the moment we compromise on this, the moment the Spirit of God leaves, 
We're not watering down. We're not adding to it. And we're certainly not taking away from it. We are commanded to preach the word.